back to Fuck Boss with Jen and Payne, a podcast where we talk about romance books, our current reads, and we also have the pleasure of sitting down and talking with some of our favorite authors and chatting with them about their amazing books. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. This past week, let's see. I feel like I've read a lot, but at the same time, I kind of don't remember what I read. But I did remember reading The Dragon's Bride by Katie Robert. And oh my gosh, guys, I have to say this is the first book I've read that's a monster romance. And oh man, it was yeah, It's a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, right? Um, I thought that's what I saw online, like a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. Well, it is kind of like that because she signed, she... um have a contract with the demon and then she was auctioned off to go marry the dragon and so yeah it was totally not what I was expecting but oh my gosh it it was good but it was crazy steamy really steamy <laughs> so that one releases on the 29th so if you love monster romance books or if you want to, if it's something new to you and you want to read it then dive into it because it is good I love Katie's book, so. And I'm currently reading Say It's Forever by A.L. Jackson, and I am loving it. You guys know I love single parents. So, that one. Currently reading, and I am going to finish it tonight. So, besides that. I started, I finished that one. Mm -hmm. I'm currently reading Fallen Embers by Catherine Cowles. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm currently reading that one. So I'll finish that tonight too. Um, actually, maybe not tonight, maybe tomorrow because I'm going to binge watch Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, so. you can let me know how that one goes. <laughs> Started like the full series. So I'm watching from season one. Right now I'm in season one, episode three. So that's what I'm going to do. Hold on. I'm back. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to binge watch season one and season two i am about to like brew some coffee and sit and watch it and then tomorrow i'll <laughs> the book but that yeah that's what i'm gonna do this weekend it's bridgerton time i'm gonna miss sign <laughs> but we shall see how this season is yeah so today we have the pleasure of having usa today and wall street journal best-selling author jewel e ann on our podcast i've been dying to talk to her about her books because you wanted her, her on here since last yes, year <laughs> yes yes like I seriously like I cry every time when I read her books like even when it's like more rom-com like perfectly adequate that one was more rom-com but I still ended up crying and the Fisher duet oh my gosh I bawled my eyes out for that one for a place without you so I can't wait to talk to her and she has written some of the most very emotional and unforgettable characters and stories. Can I just say, I am so excited to talk to her because I'm not the type of person who picks up a lot of rom-coms. Mm-hmm. I like my angsty, emotional books. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, What Lovers Do is by far my one of my, like, my top favorite rom-com. Mm-hmm. And I guess because it's so, like, <laughs> awkward, funny... <laughs> Like, still kind of romantic, and it makes me, mm-hmm. like, cool because of Shep. So I 
I love this book so freaking much. Plus, I, yeah. I love how bright the cover is. Yes. Mm-hmm. It stands out so much. So yep. I loved it. If you haven't mm-hmm. picked it up yet, pick it up, y'all. Pick it up. Yes. So she recently released What Lovers Do, and it is a friends to lovers that will have you laughing, mm-hmm. but also shedding a tear or two. We are excited to talk to her and get to know a little bit more about her writing process. So sit back, grab some coffee. It is a long one today, mm-hmm. but it was amazing. And hope you enjoyed today's episode. It's such an honor to have you here with us today, Joel. It's seriously, we love your books. You're always making us cry. And then especially after reading What Lovers Do, which was so different than what you released last year. We loved it. It was amazing. And how are you doing today? Well, thanks for having me. This is kind of an honor. Um, I'm doing well, thanks. I'm actually not home. I'm in Tulsa on a writing getaway with my best friend. So I'm sitting in a Verbo here talking to you guys. So I'm excited to be here. How about you guys? How are you doing today? Um, it's 10 o'clock here. So I am barely getting up since it is the weekend. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> it's, it's going good. It is the weekend. I felt like this week went by super slow for some reason. Mm. I don't know why. But <laughs> it's going good. But again, thank you so much for joining us today. We recently finished reading What Lovers Do. So we have so many stuff, to, like so much stuff to talk to you about that. Um, but we did want to start off with getting to know you a little bit better. Could you tell us a little bit how you got into writing? What pushed you to start writing romance? Sure. Um, boredom is probably the best answer. <laughs> I not wasn't a writer originally. I was a dental hygienist by trade and I enjoyed writing when I was in school, but I didn't do a lot of it. I've always enjoyed reading, not necessarily just romance, just all kinds of genres. So after quitting my job as a dental hygienist and having three kids and helping with the family business, I had some time on my hands. And so <laughs> I started writing. I actually had a friend who was reading uh more of the spicy romance novels and kind of she's the one who got me into that and I thought oh this is different so I just sat down and started writing a book I didn't know if I was going to publish it I actually I didn't know anything about self-publishing I knew nothing about book blogs I had never read an ebook. Mm-hmm. When I started writing I had not read an ebook. didn't have a Kindle I got all of my books from either just uh, the bookstore or over the library. So I stumbled into this world and muddled my way through it. <laughs> That's where I'm at now. Has it always been romance? What like led you to writing? What book did you read that you said, you know, I can, I, I want to give this a try, a, like a, a try to write my own romance. Well, I think because I write a little bit more, at least part of, yes, my books, I have some explicit scenes in them. I think it was when I realized that some of the books like, yeah, after like 50 Shades of Grey came out and, you know, Sylvia Day books and everything that there was like this curiosity of, well, this is a different type of romance. And so I just started reading all the books that I could find and wasn't like, I'm going to go write a book, but I was just, it was just a different type of romance that Mm -hmm. 
like caught my attention of maybe it was just a hormonal time in my life after three kids. <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, so for me, it was then like my first series is probably the Holy News series is my most explicit of all my books. I call them my sex books. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and at the time I was going also through a very oh tree hugger stage in my life and I had changed I had stopped eating meat and done like all this stuff and I'm like what if there was like a romance novel with like a person who owns a vegan restaurant at the time where we live at there's this woman who had actually opened this first kind of vegan restaurant in our area all you know plant-based food and I thought kind of what she was doing was cool. And I'm like, what if I could make it cool? And what if I could make it sexy and write this romance? And make this guy? That's how it was just kind of born. Like I think a lot of authors do talk about what kind of spurs them on as they consume a lot of books, but then they're like, well, this type of story hasn't been told. And so mm-hmm. you want that. And so if you want it, then you try to write it. And I just, I just sat down and started writing and I had to go back because of my age. <laughs> And like, look at, you know, okay, when I was in English, how am I supposed to, you know, punctuate to do all this dialogue? And actually the dialogue for me, I mean, the punctuation I had to review, but my books are very dialogue heavy. So there I've hit points in my career where I've thought, should I be writing screenplays instead of novels? Because I'm just all about (laughs) dialogue. But yeah, that was kind of my start was just, hey, can I write something sexy? I've got time on my hands. So it started out as a hobby. I self-published it. Didn't think anybody would read it. Three or four people read it, but I kept writing. <laughs> well, I'm glad you kept writing because your books are amazing. Thank you. So what is the most surprising thing you discovered while writing your books? Um, I think the emotional investment into mm-hmm. it, like, like I knew I was emotionally invested writing books. Like when I wrote my first two books, I said, I left my heart in the first of the duet and I left my soul in the second book of the duet. And I did, I, I've been emotionally invested in reading other books. Yes. Books can make me cry and you get invested in them. But when you write the book yourself versus reading it, it is a different type of investment. It's like, I care about my friend's child because she's my friend and that's their child. And then there's my child (laughs) that, and then putting your child out into the world. And I just, I didn't imagine having that connection with it and which makes publishing sometimes scary because no matter how tough somebody thinks they are, we're all emotionally vulnerable. So and when you're, because you've been writing, I mean, you've written so many amazing books. Does the, I mean, does it, what's the most difficult part for you when you're writing and then publishing? Like, does it get easier as the, as more books you publish or is it still the same, you know, nerve wracking experience or difficult? Um, it, it does get easier as you go. It's, um, the writing part's the easy part. It is letting it go into the world. It's a harder part. I'm, I'm like a lot of authors who I get to the point where I haven't, I don't sit down and just actively ever read my reviews of books. I've had to realize that because it's such an emotional investment for me that I just can't go reading every review. 
I read reviews if somebody sends me a link or something like that. And I feel like they want me to read a review, which is 99.9% of the time. It's a positive review. They're not sending me the, I hated your book ones. <laughs> and there has to be this detachment that you have. And that's, that's hard to begin with. That's hard because writing is personal. Like I say for me that writing is very therapeutic. I not just with the characters, but I feel like I leak so many of my own emotions and life experiences into my books in small ways. So when you put them out into the world, it feels very vulnerable. That part always is there, but it does get easier. You get a thick skin, you learn to like write the book, put it out and move on, like move on to the next book. Like of course, you know, I, what lovers do is out, but I have like two or three other things that I'm working on that I'm able to focus on at the same time. So, I mean, the process gets easier. You get better at it, not only just doing the technical part of it, but I think emotionally you get better at not feeling like it's the end of the earth. If a book doesn't do really well, you know, I feel like early on, you're like, everything is invested. This I'm, you know, this is my success or failure. You just learn to put it out there and move on. And I feel like I've become more of the seasoned uh, writer in the sense that I know that the craft matters to me and I want to feel like everything I put out is as best as I can write at that time. And if you feel that way as a writer and you put that book out, it, it helps you no longer care if there's some negativity with it. Like you're like, that's the best I could do at this time. Perfect. No, it'll never be perfect. So easier. Yes, but just a little easier. <laughs> so um, I've, we've wanted to ask you since most of the, every single time we've read your books, we either cry or like laugh, but then most of the times we cry. So do you plan on making your books emotional or does it come as you write? Uh, no, I don't set out to do it. I mean, even like what lovers do is definitely, I think my most straight up rom-com that I've ever written. And I had to really focus on like, don't go there. Don't when the goal is not <laughs> and the, making people cry is never my goal. But like I said, because writing is so therapeutic to me mm-hmm. and I feel life is this mix of emotions where there's that fine line between when you are laughing and when you are crying, you know, that's mm-hmm. the whole, um, you know, somebody dies, but you have that person who gets the giggles at the funeral, that type, you know, that type of thing. I was even like in some song or one, I always laughed, like she's a giggle at a funeral. And I'm like, that's, that's very real in life. You know, the, where the, these, you know, by these opposite emotions are actually very close together. So I don't set out to make people cry, but I also feel like I want my stories for the most part to impact somebody, maybe only one person, right? It isn't, it's never going to be everybody. And I feel like there's this emotional connection that I'm trying to make with somebody that I don't even know who this is until I put my book out there. And I can't write 90, a hundred thousand words and have it be a story and not have probably some of it be emotional because I think love is emotional and I'm writing a love story and love is laughter and love time is crying and love is getting angry and wanting to smack somebody. Love is stupidity. You know, when you read books and you get angry at characters because 
they're being stupid or they're being immature or, you know, the list goes on. And for me, I'm like, they're being real. They're being real because we're all stupid. We're all immature. <laughs> we're all insecure at times, but in other times that we're confident and we all make mistakes. And so for me, I always aim at just making my characters for me feel real and authentic. And I think if you hit that goal, you're going to probably make somebody cry because also what makes people cry is when something touches them. Like, even if we don't realize it, like, even when we see like a character that we don't like, sometimes if it draws out a really strong reaction to us, you know, from us, it's usually because we actually sometimes see part of ourselves in them and it's scary and you don't want to admit that. But I, so when I see somebody who like really hates one of my characters. I'm like, it's a little reflective maybe. <laughs> yeah. Not setting that to make you cry, but um, life is emotional. Yeah. And it's funny because there are times when you read like certain scenes and those scenes, like, cause I've said, like, I feel like I cry all the time like when I'm reading a uh, book and it's like because you do put your yourself in those shoes it's like this could happen and it makes it more real when you're reading a book that you're so invested in the story that you put yourself in that situation and I feel like that emotion like it transpires way more than you know just words that you're reading because you're putting yourself in that place yeah Oh, exactly. That's why I always find it interesting. I love getting, I love buying the Kindle copy of my books. I love that Kindle like shows or not just my books, any books. I love that Kindle shows like what other people have highlighted and you can go through because you feel like you connect with readers and you're like, look at like, cause it'll show you even the number, like 500 people that have highlighted this area in a book. And you feel like I haven't even met these other people. But like you connect with them because you're like, oh, we're emotionally feeling that same thing. And yeah, it's, it's a very cool feeling, not just writing a book, but like when I read other books and you hit even like a passage and you read it three and four times, you're like, oh my God, that resonates with me. It's a, it's a very cool feeling. I I love that about the book world is Uh we're like connected on a, on a real emotional level, (laughs) especially in the romance world, because romance is so emotional. Have you ever cried while writing one of your books? Oh God, yes. All the time. <laughs> All the time. My husband has walked in on me so many times. Um, and I'm quickly wiping my tears and he gives me a look. He's like, you've been crying. Yes, yes, I've been crying. Um, probably the hardest. I sometimes know when I'm getting ready to write an emotional scene and I'm actually kind of dreading it. And I know that I don't want interruptions. And so there's been times I just left my house just far enough to like drive across the street late at night to like the school, the elementary school parking lot. So I can sit in my car and finish this scene because I know I'm going to sob. And I've like, literally like my heart hurts and I get home and like I, in my Jag and Jill series, this, the end of the second book is probably one of the ones that I've just like just sobbed the most. And it, and it took me a while, even when I was done, I just stayed there because I wanted my eyes to like be a little less swollen when I should have <laughs> home and it didn't look like some, somebody, had, you know, done something to me. But yeah, I, and that's like, you know, you've hit a mark too. I'm like, okay, I've made myself cry, but it's even with the laughing. So what lovers do, but uh, comedy is a little bit different because mm-hmm. everyone has a different sense of humor for sure. And that's, I totally respect that. But what lovers do, it's fun when you can make yourself 
cry, but it's also fun when you can make yourself giggle, you know, the whole, <laughs> as crazy it is, you're like, oh, I cracked myself up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so self-entertained. So um, I remember when I, when you first released Jersey Six, yeah. and when I picked up the book, I was like, hey, this is, I don't, if I remember correctly, it was in third person, correct? Yeah, I have a few that are. Yeah. Okay. So, um, which, what do you find easier in third person or first person? I, uh, I can write either just fine. I can fall into the groove for me. Um, I'm this way as a reader and a writer, hmm. because I think it gets frustrating when you have people who are like, I can't read third person and I get mm-hmm. it. It's hard if you've read a whole lot of first person and maybe you're going to third person. I'm, I've read so many books and I'm aged enough that I can read both. My, it, for me, it's not, do I like writing one or the mm-hmm. other? I can write them both. It's what does the story require? Mm-hmm. And I feel like some stories are cheated by trying to do them all in first person. Even if you're doing multiple points of view, it just, it's got a weird choppy flow to it you're going Mm -hmm. this person to this person to this person you're trying to get all of this in there especially stories who have a lot of characters that are like like you have two main characters but some of the other ones are like really involved like my jack and jill Mm -hmm. series was that way um jersey six i wanted you to kind of have like a little bit of an out because it's way more thriller mystery Mm -hmm. i like the thriller mysteries to have a little bit of that outside looking in Mm -hmm. because like you know some books you're like keeping the secret from just the uh characters but the reader knows the secret there's you know nothing Mm -hmm. the reader but when you're trying to keep stuff from a reader using third person to me is just such an easy tool and for me it flows better like I've read first person like suspense and it, I've struggled with certain books because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this, like it needed to be third person. And I know they wrote it in first because they're like trying to appeal to a first person audience, but mm-hmm. the book itself would be better that way. And that's mm-hmm. like the Jack and Jill series is in third person because it has so many characters and it's romantic suspense and mystery. And I'm trying to think, isn't this terrible? So my life series, I don't even remember. I think I wrote my life series in third person it's the uh the life um the life you stole uh, oh is it in third person I don't have it with me I think it is isn't that terrible I wrote it so long ago <laughs> but it just it's not about which do I like it's what does mm-hmm. the story call for and sometimes I know writing in third person I will not lose readers I don't think I have that readers are just going to leave me if I write one book in third person mm-hmm. they just might not read it it's kind of like if mm-hmm. you just write a book about cheating you're just going to have some people that don't read it and that's fine like you know that writing it but you still know you are going to have an audience for it mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah <laughs> um how how long does it take you to plot a book like how do you plot your books because like you said well lovers do it's more of a rom-com versus the duet that you released last year like it's I feel like that one was very emotional and it was like it had our hearts tugging like how do you plot your stories to be like okay this one's gonna be a very emotional one versus I'm gonna make this one that's a rom-com right so I mean I usually know what I'm going usually not always I usually know what I'm going (laughs) 
when I do write books, like, yeah, when, what lovers do hands down, I'm like, I'm writing a rom-com. I just need to stay on course here and not like turn it into something. <laughs> like I wanted a light rom-com. And so, um, and as far as like actual plotting, when it comes down to like the book, I don't plot much. I have a vague idea. I don't usually know the ending. I grab some character names and I sit down very Stephen King-like because he doesn't plot really anything either. And I just sit and write and I let the characters tell me the story, the whole spooky voices in my head. Um, sometimes I sit down to write a book and maybe I think it's going to be a rom-com, but it changes. Maybe it turns into a dramedy. Um, so I don't always know what direction I'm going. Like, um, my romantic suspense books, they always start out as romantic suspense. Like I don't go into it. I mean, and all my books have a little bit of humor to it just because I'm odd like that, but (laughs) I go into romantic suspense knowing that it's going to be gut-wrenching. It's going, you're going to have a killer plot twist. Um, no pun intended, but (laughs) there's just, I go into it that way. And even, and those are probably my suspense books when it comes to the actual book itself. I probably plan a little bit more because I want to know what some of the plot twists are going to be, but I don't like there's authors who literally sit down and write chapter per chapter, what's going to happen. And they outline it. That's not me. I feel like it's stifling to my creativity because I'm writing in a box. Like I can't do that. Um, in my book, I wrote idle bloom was one of those, like my fourth book that I wrote. And there's this, door in Oliver's house and you don't know what's behind it it's a locked door and early on because that was one of my first books where I actually let some beta readers kind of read along while I was writing it like I'd write some chapters and send it to them I don't know that anymore I just write the book and then send it to them (laughs) but as they're reading along with me writing they would say what's behind the door what's behind the door And I go, I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. Like I had no (laughs) idea what I was, I just knew he was going to have a secret (laughs) and you don't find out. And and I didn't know until I wrote the chapter where you find out what's behind the door. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's, I'm very situational in what I write, but uh, I threw you threw a little bit of like Monica and friends where they have, I don't know if you guys ever seen that episode where there's like a secret door and I was like, what's behind that door? Yeah. <laughs> but it's junk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I think, I think really for writing for me and to feel like the story is it's best, I have to be flexible and to have a direction that I'm going, but not necessarily know what path I'm going to take to get there. And I don't always know the final destination. I know writer friends of mine, they're like, oh yeah, I totally know the ending and the epilogue before I ever start my book. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm so impressed by that. <laughs> so how long does it usually take for you to write a book? Um, I like... I like three months is a good number for me. That's just the writing part. That's mm-hmm. not going to beta readers. That's not editing. That's just me playing around with the book for three months. Yeah. Um, for like, okay. So when we were talking about the whole rom-com versus um, the more suspenseful heart tugging scenes, I've always wondered 
how do you guys or how do you like with lovers do there were some scenes there I was just like laughing I was like oh my god this situation is either awkward or it's so funny or you will get frustrated but then what was going on was really funny as well um so how do you plan and plot those funny moments like do you already know what scenes you're gonna write like okay I'm gonna add a joke here or this situation is gonna come here like how do you come up with those very funny scenes Uh, they're organic when I'm writing them like I have I'm just in the scene like at the beginning of that book I'm like I'm there with her remembering her past. I actually didn't the very part where she remembers going back and having, you know, the garter snake and stuff like that. I actually added that after the fact, but I originally just started where she's in her place. Jimmy goes looking for her in her purse for some money or under the drugstore. And the whole scene just, I'm just writing a dialogue. I'm, it's a movie in my head. It's an imaginary um, back and forth in my head. And, and I feed off of each line is what it is. I imagine what she would say. And then just in the moment, if I think he's going to come back with something incredibly stupid with Jimmy, it usually is or super witty or whatever. And I don't, it's not like, it's not like somebody who's a comedian and they have writers and they're writing out these jokes, which most comedians originally didn't have. They were their own writers or they just stood up and they just told jokes. And I'm not really, I haven't. I have a great sense of humor in the fact that I laugh at everything. I can laugh at myself the most. Rom-com doesn't come. I think rom-com comes a little natural to me, but I'm afraid of rom-com more than anything because with humor comes the increased chance of offending somebody because at the heart of humor, it's usually at somebody's expense. And that's, I mean in the past years, whether I've been just with like social matters and COVID and all this stuff, I've noticed and even watch interviews with like famous comedians and stuff. And they feel like their craft has been like muzzled in the sense where you have to watch everything you say Mm -hmm. and you can say the wrong thing and offend people. And it's never, I don't want to say never, most writers or comedians are not setting out to offend anybody, but it can happen. And we are a very hyper aware, hyper aware society of this now, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just makes the art of comedy really difficult. So this book was kind of scary for me, but I didn't plan out any of them. And I mean, I hope um, I have the characters kind of stumbling around some political correctness in the book and all of the things that happen are usually kind of real in my life or something that I've experienced. Like I know people who have had rental property and had to like go to court to get squatters kicked out of their rental property. <laughs> um, there's an inv- the funny part with this book. I've had so many people I'm, I'm very, I'm very awkward sometimes the way that Sophie would be, but at the same time, big hearted, like somebody would say probably to a fault, like people, you, I let people step on me because I'm kind to a fault. And I'm like, I'll take that fault. If that's the biggest fault in my life, I'll take, you know, kind to a fault at the end of the, towards the end of the book, she has, she visits her dad and there's a, a dietary issue. I won't spoil this for anybody. And I've had so many people message me and said they were laughing so hard, but part of them didn't believe that I went there, that I allowed that kind of scene in a romance novel. And I said, well, as somebody who's probably been on every cleanse in the world, 
I was speaking very much from first experience of how embarrassing <laughs> things can be. And you're like, people have like, in romance novels, it's never sexy to talk about mm-hmm. uh, bodily functions, but I'm like, I got to the scene. I did not plan the scene out or anything. I literally was writing it in the moment and I was like snorting. I was laughing so hard because and oh, I may have had people message me about that scene. I'm being so vague. Anybody re- listening to this, <laughs> what is she talking about? But I've had people that are like, I don't even go into the bathroom. Even I've been married so many years. I had somebody come in that I've been married so many years. And I still, when I go into the bathroom, always like shut the door, turn on the fan, use the faucet. <laughs> like there's just certain things that it doesn't matter how in depth you are in a relationship that just. You don't want to share with your significant other. So it very, it feed, I literally feed off of from one line to another in the book. I wish I could say I planned it out. I don't. I just <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants. And I feel like Sophie got herself in some situations that I felt like I was her and I was experiencing these all really awkward <laughs> stuff. Like I was like, oh my God, like what is she thinking? And then I'm laughing at the same time. And I was like, just kick him out of your house. What are you doing? Yeah. And she's this, she's a really sweet, like she's, she's successful. She's this optometrist. She has a great family, you know, her, I mean, she's got a good relationship with them. Clearly this secret thing that she's doing in the book is just, her heart's just so big. It could hurt. Mm-hmm. And yet mm-hmm. I think people who have that big heart end up also being the ones that people step all over. And she's also, she gives people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, think of Jimmy and like what happened with his, you know, just how he ended up living with her to begin with. And it was like, and, and she kind of fell in love with Jimmy originally, if you can say, you know, it's always in hindsight, you're like, was I really in love with them? Um, you know, so she kind of got feelings for Jimmy to begin with because of how amazing he was with taking care of his mom, you know, his sick mm-hmm. mom. And, and that part I could relate to so much. Like, have you ever like, whether reading a book or even like, for me, it's like watching some TV show, like maybe the first show you're like, I don't like this character. And maybe they're not even that much of a sexy character, but then all these good and amazing things come out about them. And then you're like, you're falling in love with them. And it has nothing to do with what they look like. It's just, they're super kind, yeah. you know? So for her, she's like, Jimmy's this guy who takes care of his mom and then he just flips and and I've had that experience not romantically but just in relationships before where you're like everything's great and then you're eventually you're like who are you it becomes embarrassing that you're like are we associated with each other I felt I was like feeling her pain through the book and just the embarrassment because she was she's clearly embarrassed that she gets put into these situations. Like, like I can't even tell anybody. I can't tell my best friend. I can't tell anybody because it's just embarrassing by this point. You know, the whole fool me one shame on you. Fool me twice shame on me. She was definitely on that shame on me by this point. (laughs) Totally different topic about that. But how do you come up with your covers? Oh, good grief. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of prayer. No, um, (laughs) Covers of are uh, my, I hate dealing with covers the most Mm -hmm. because it's like picking out a frame for someone's art. Like the the story is my art. I actually don't usually care that much about what the frame is because like, it's, it's just the frame. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it was somewhat easy when it was like everybody just slaps a picture of a guy with abs on there did i like those covers well sure if i liked the look of the guy on there then sure i like the cover if it was a guy that i didn't like the looks of him i would potentially not buy the book and maybe it was a great story but i just something about that guy i didn't like so i have like a weird relationship with people on the cover i mean overall personally do i prefer it no but i was reading mainly uh traditionally published books not even just in the romance genres so i was rarely reading books with people on the covers, I was just getting recommendations or I was uh, reading a blurb and that's how I picked up a cover. I rarely ever picked up a book before I started writing and reading more explicit romance that had anything that I cared about the cover. It didn't matter what the cover was like. So right now I'm at, to be honest, I'm super frustrated with the cover issue with books. Not that it's an issue, but just I never thought it would grow into you need multiple covers for books. And I have two covers for this book. I have an illustrated one that people will be able to get just through my website. I'm not putting it on anything else, but those who want an illustrated color cover, but there's the whole, this type of cover sells better on Amazon, but this other cover sells better if you wide with retailers. Well, some people love the illustrated, but some people hate the illustrated. We want people on it. No, we don't want people on it. We want objects <laughs> on it. Wait, it's got sex in it, but I want to read it out in public. So now I need a completely discreet cover. So as you can imagine, and I'm like my assistant, the cover that's on the one right now, my assistant made in, I, I love it. It's beautiful. It's bright. It doesn't really, it just makes me think of a love story and like what's behind the pages. So I'm very appreciative of the people who've worked so hard on the covers for me, but on the flip side, I'm like, I don't even care about the cover. It's it's the book. I wrote the book. That's what I'm, I'm wanting you to read the book. I want you to focus on the cover, but I mean, how do you guys feel about covers? I'm always so curious for readers. Do you look and think, why are authors having 20 covers for one book? What is this? I mean, and honestly, I'm just curious because I think as just a reader, I would be like, why are there so many covers for this book? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, there are times when if a book, if I really love a book and if they keep releasing new covers, I'd be like, I need that cover. I need that cover. But at the same time, like my shelves are running out of space and I'm like, okay, I just need one book for one cover. I don't need all of the covers. And I totally get it. Like with discrete covers, I totally get it. But at the same time, I actually don't carry a book with me. I read on my phone or on my Kindle. So I'm not going to carry a book. So I don't really need a discreet cover. Right. But at the same time, like they are pretty to look at. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm trying to save money to get more books. So I won't right. just be getting the same book over and over. Yeah. Right. I love discreet covers, but I feel like I always tend to get the first one because I'm just like, well, like Ping said, it's like, okay, I'm going to get this one because I love the cover. And then like a couple months later, they're like, well, here's a discreet cover. I'm like, oh, but I already have the first one. It's like, but I like it too. But it's like, for me, it's like Pink said, I don't really, I don't carry my paperback when I'm traveling or going somewhere. It's usually on my phone and in my Kindle. So yeah. it's more of a, but if the covers are so like, if you love the book and both covers are so cute, I'm just like, it doesn't hurt to have both of them. <laughs> search your pocketbook as well yeah I, and I know I've seen some people comment and I can't and I don't want to make a blanket statement speaking for all authors because I I'm sure there are exceptions most authors aren't changing up their covers as for like 
a money-making marketing thing as well. Not in the sense that they're not trying to sell the same book three times to you. It's more of a, hey, this cover does great on Kindle Unlimited, but if you go wide, this cover does well on iBooks. But if you are selling sign books or whatever, maybe this cover does better. So it's, it's like our goal is then like, oh gosh, so we need to try to appeal to different audiences and therefore we have two or three covers for some book. But then it, I, when I started doing it with a few of my books, which I haven't done with a lot, I didn't, even when I just would update a cover and just have it look a little more fresh and relevant or whatever, I never imagined at that time that readers who already purchased the other cover mm-hmm. were going to want a, like the second cover as well. I'm like, oh, is, which makes me then kind of question having too many covers because I don't want to put somebody in a position where like, well, now I want other covers. And mm-hmm. I get emails all the time. Like, do you have the original covers to this book or that book or that series? And then I'm like, well, let me go in my basement (laughs) (laughs) down there. Maybe, maybe not. So yeah, the covers right now, I could just like pull my hair out. It's like the most stressful part of writing right now is the cover. (laughs) Which would have been your favorite cover so far though, from like even like from the, your, your original covers, not like special editions or discrete covers, which one has been your favorite? Oh, wow. That's super hard. I think it's super hard for me because my stories are so different. It's not like I'm just comparing a bunch of mafia romance covers or, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like they're all over the place that way. Like I love the kind of wickedness of the life series because it's kind of a creepy, co- uh, creepy covers a little bit, but the storyline kind of goes there. Um, I love for Lucy, the cover on there is just, just in, to me, just such a beautiful cover. And I feel like in the end, the story is a very beautiful story, even if tragic. Um, it, what lovers do, I love it just because it's so bright. Like at home, I have it like sitting on my shelves while I had ordered a bunch in to like send out for stuff. And all this pink, it's just so bright, like sitting up on my wall. Um, God, I don't know. It's like, I don't, oh, when um, when life happened, the girl on there and just so whimsical and then knowing Parker's character in that book, I just thought it was very fitting for that, but I don't. I don't have one and it's, isn't it funny? I'm like, most of them aren't like, they're not like abs. I don't have a lot of abs on my covers. Um, the transcend now the transcend duet. What I love about that is there's people on the covers, but they're people, you can tell it's actually the cover is of a photograph of this person. And what I love about that is that those two covers, the pictures on them are very relevant to the story. So it's not just a random cover of just some person or couple that are representative of oh it's a romance story it's like you read those books and then you are like oh that's the cover they're talking about the picture on the cover so I think that's pretty cool I mean what do you guys like on covers or does it just depend on what the genre or subgenre that you're reading I'm actually not a type who like abs on covers (laughs) like I prefer if he's in a suit then I prefer a guy in with a suit but I don't really pick up books like I I love app covers obviously I do but at the same time I prefer them in suit I right. yeah <laughs> like I personally like like a cover for 
your book for uh, Lucy. I loved, love that cover. And it's more because I guess once you finish reading the book, you kind of go back to the cover and you're like, that cover fits the story. Right. And it's like very intriguing to where the less you get, I think, in a cover, the more intriguing you are to read the story. So I'm more of that type of cover or object type of person. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that for sh- that kind of thought. Cause I'm the same way too. And it's cool when you go back in the cover, you're like, Oh, that was kind of a perfect cover for the book. Um, but I mean, even like with what lovers do, he gives her these flowers that are these bright print flowers. So there's this connection, but I'm like the same way with the abs and stuff. Like I think early on in reading the genre, I was like gobbling up abs too, just because (laughs) some of them are super great. And I'm like, well, these are great, but ultimately it's like now I'm like, like, I don't know if I see one more set of abs, um, look this part. I was (laughs) like, I purchased that photo just to cut off the guy's head because I (laughs) liked him in that suit. And it was so insane to pay for an exclusive photo to pop off most of his Mm -hmm. head. But I love cover of Look the Part because you can tell it's like this sexy guy in a suit, but mm-hmm. yet you don't see his face. You can kind of make of whatever you think he looks mm-hmm. like above. And it's so fitting for Flint and his tie and all of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like the suit covers too. I'm like, okay. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> my sister now, um, my sister is single again and dating. And so she'll send me pictures of guys she's seen on these like dating apps she's younger than me but um she's like will send me pictures which I'm like gosh is do you have to have an ad picture on dating apps I mean I'm pretty <laughs> married, so I'm not on dating apps but I'm like wow everyone you have to have an ad shot is that the case and I'm just find myself like I'm like why am I freaked out by that like it's different than a book cover I'm like <laughs> Like, is that how you're catching people? Is she just laughed? Of course, <laughs> she's got this great body and probably has her ab pictures up there. But there was um, probably about a month ago, she sent me a picture of a guy on there and he was dressed in a three-piece suit. And I'm like, that's the one. <laughs> never met him. He lives too far away. I don't think they're going to work out. But I was like, he looks so like, if I were single, I would be like, that's the guy I'm going to date because <laughs> it's like leaving something to the imagination. <laughs> in his three-piece suit and I don't know whether she was thinking I want to see his abs but I was like (laughs) (laughs) so how do you come up with titles for your book oh dear um at the past few years I've been a struggle because I actually come up with a title before I write the book when I first started writing I wrote the book and then I titled it after reading the book and I liked that like people who don't name their child until they see their child (laughs) instead of like it's going to be frank regardless, but, um, it's just, it's like, sometimes I want it to relate to the story, something specific about the story. Sometimes I want it to just be an overall feeling of the story, like what lovers do was titled before. Okay. What lovers do has had several titles. I'm trying to remember <laughs> the other ones were that we even originally used. Um, one was, I think the first title of what lovers do was going to be shake it off because it was kind of like a cute, like reference to the dogs and everything too. Mm-hmm. But from a marketing standpoint, if you put certain words in book titles, they do 
sometimes do better. So if you had the word love, lovers in a book, they're just going to do better regardless of what's on there. Um, naked love, you put the word naked in a book. Also, it's going to convey romance. So that was another thing for me. It's like, mm-hmm. also depends on the cover. Like if my cover doesn't scream romance, I want my title to make you think romance or mm-hmm. If it's a very personal book, like For Lucy's a very emotional, personal book. So I wanted the name to be in there. Um, if like, especially if a character is like super, super, not just like clearly character, but like everything about the story somehow revolves around the character um, or there's something really great about him, you know, like Jersey Six. <laughs> so I don't have yeah, any definite way that I n- title every book. It just... Yeah, it's just all over the place and what kind of feeling I'm going for. Or like if with a wrong palm, I'm like, how do I label this that we can have kind of like a neutral cover, but people still know that's a romance. And that's why we changed it from shake it off to what lovers do. Well, I totally think that the title matches the story. So, oh, yeah. Well, and then it's fun. Okay. So fun fact too. When I started writing books, I don't know when I stopped doing it. I'd have to go back and see. I originally, I my first four, five, six, I'd have to go back and see. I used to finish every book. The last line at the end of the epilogue was the title of the book. I fit, I always managed to wrap the title into the story and have it be the very last words mm-hmm. of the epilogue. It is in my holding you series. It is an undeniably you, it is an idol bloom. So I don't do that anymore, but I love it when I can have the title definitely have a meaning like transcendent epic. They talk about transcending time and epic and what it means. And then what lovers do, they, mm-hmm. there's a reference to the title in the book. Mm-hmm. So I actually, that is a thing that is very, that I do. Yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> From all the, um, all the characters that you've written so far, who would you say is your favorite hero? My favorite hero. Oh, that's so unfair. <laughs> um, I would say my most, what I would call my most romantic hero. It's going to be a tie. So here's my tie because they're just so great for different reasons. So Luke Jones and my Jack and Jill series, I think because it was a three book series and, and Luke just went through everything to for the woman he loved and and the fact that the woman he loved was not easy to love (laughs) I I he's he's a he's always been a big favorite of mine just because that series is a favorite of mine but in for Lucy Emmett stole my heart at least 10 million times over because really has there been anybody who's shown love the way that he showed love like all enduring enduring like what he did he did for the love of his family for the love of his wife he truly was like if you let if you love something let them go and that's what he did with his wife I mean Emma just like oh Emma broke my heart so Mm -hmm. many times in that book so those two and it's funny, it's, and neither one of them, what I say, are my sexiest heroes. Like, they weren't really written to be that sexy. I mean, mm-hmm. Luke Jones is like this stuffy psychiatrist that irons Argyle's socks. <laughs> but it was just like, he tamed the woman, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he like, was the woman who probably thought she would never find anybody, but and it was the toughest woman I've ever written. And yet she found, like, the man that she wanted to be her fairy tale and so I think that is 
I, I find men sexy and strong for different reasons than what I think a lot of romance readers too. Mm-hmm. Like my idea probably of an alpha male is much different than others. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, what do you guys like in, see, I'm picking your brain now. What do you guys like <laughs> in characters? Who are your favorite alpha or characters? <laughs> well, um, from all the books that I've read from you, like I seriously have to say, all your heroes are like seriously swoon worthy. Um, and like you said, they like they don't really come off as like the very sexy type, but the way how they treat the heroine is what really draws me to all your heroes. Okay. And um I, like Fisher. <laughs> I love Fisher a lot. Yes, last year when I when you released it he was seriously one of my top book boyfriend last year because he was so amazing. Like there's just something about him that really tugs at my heart. And I don't know. I love him. And um, what's, I don't remember his name, but the one from um, a place without you. Oh, Bodhi. Yes. Him too. Yeah, I mean, and I would say with both of them, what I kind of love, I think you're kind of picking characters that tend to bring out, even if it does, even if they seem mean when they do it to begin with, <laughs> mean, but they bring out the best in the heroine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think like Fisher was incredibly patient. And, you know, I felt like that was his job was to be this patient hero who brings out the best in the heroine mm-hmm. and I felt that way about Bodhi like Bodhi's love for mm-hmm. him was like you know I know you don't think this is good for you now but I'm doing mm-hmm. this because I love you and both of those are a little bit of an age gap yes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so we can um dive into the fisherman duet I'm really curious as to how did you come up with that story oh my gosh <laughs> that story was the most chaotic story because it started out in Kindle Vela mm-hmm. I was just going to write series like because Kindle Vela was new and it was just more like well you should it's new why not try it you, if it doesn't work you publish it and and I knew that Kindle Vela was a little bit more geared toward more of a new adult probably more of a new adult audience I knew there was definitely going to be a younger audience on there and so I wanted to write something that was for a younger audience and I wanted to write something that had this hero that you were really intrigued by. And I didn't really know, it was not going to be two books on Kendall Vella. It was just like, I was just going to write some, I mean, I had, I had no plan with it. I was just writing, you know, chapters and releasing them. And then when I decided that I was going to go ahead and pull it from Vela and put it out as when I decided that the story was going to go in a different direction Mm -hmm. and it was going to have some serious meat to the story by the second book that I wanted something for readers to really, you know, dig their teeth into a plot twist that you didn't see coming. And, and what I loved. So for me, I very much was like, I was raised in a very religious home. I knew how it was like everything from the purity culture to being told, you know, what was ethically right and ethically wrong. And I was that person who wanted to break away from that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's probably been so many people in my life who, who led me there. 
And I wanted, I knew I wanted to write a book about somebody who was just kind of crude and unapologetic about it because sometimes I like, I like character transformation. So I like mm-hmm. the transformation of who Fisher was from the beginning of the first book to the end of the second book. Mm-hmm. I love who Reese is, went from book one to book two, even though I knew I would write Reese and I knew people would hate Reese and, mm-hmm. and just, oh, I hate how she is and she's judgmental and not really realize that she is a product of something mm-hmm. else. She's really young. She's a product of something else. And as I got towards the end of the first book, it's when kind of things start getting more serious. And I kind of let the book dive into issues that are a little more controversial. I I know I had probably a fair number of readers that I I don't like this, the end of the first book. I don't like who Reese is. I'm not going to read the second book, assuming that they knew where it was going when where it was going was in my mind to one of the best character arcs I've ever created Mm -hmm. with Reese and how she makes full come around with this. Mm -hmm. Like I love who she is by the end of the second book. I love Mm -hmm. my second book that she even keeps a little bit of the authenticity of, of her faith. Like she doesn't Mm -hmm. totally lose her faith. She's just redefined a little bit in her mind to learn, like, what do I really think God is in my life or what do I really Mm -hmm. think love is and love is like being loving and accepting of everyone no matter what and I love the interaction that she has with um Rose and Rory and how much they Mm -hmm. teach each other so this is it was the craziest story just going from some lighthearted new adults he's sexy it's a forbidden romance to so we're going to tell a story about a romance that spans years. I love the mm-hmm. 30 years. I love Reese coming back as a more confident woman. Mm-hmm. Like she knows who she is. She knows, you know, what she believes in. I do love, I, I love that. And I never saw that coming. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I wasn't even going to write these books. It, they were not on my list of books to write last year it was just like mm-hmm. I'm going to slip something into Vela and then I had to push all my other books out of the way because I'm like and we have a duet <laughs> we're putting it out and I don't know if people are going to like it but I was nervous and excited and I was I was thrilled that people ended up loving the series as much mm-hmm. as they did I mean it just it blew my mind I'm like I didn't see that coming so it's mm-hmm. very cool. Like I have to say, um, I remember when I was reading um, The Naked Fisherman, I was like, oh my gosh, like it is seriously like I am, I have to say I am like Reese. I grew up like Reese. And so while reading the book, I was like, I can totally relate to this book. And so I while um, when I finished, I remember messaging you. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is. I am Reese and I know that there will be people who will not like Reese and I've seen reviews bashing Reese but I was like I've been in Reese's shoes I know how she felt so I love Reese so much and I between Reese and Fisher I seriously have to say I Reese is my favorite character from the duet even though I really love Fisher because I love the um the growth of Reese went through the duet and whew, that book I seriously cried so many times for this duet and oh it's definitely amazing oh thank you yeah I I I'm kind of like you because I was so much Reese and it's hard it was hard for me I think somebody even in my Facebook spoiler group 
feel like I saw somebody post like they weren't didn't know if they could go on to the second book like they were Mm kind of angry didn't know and I loved that people were jumping on and like you have to go to the second book just hold on there's like a plan like wait for it because it's hard when people like really don't like Reese Mm -hmm. and the readers who are saying to themselves I was kind of Reese you're like okay clearly you would have hated me at that time you know (laughs) weird part about writing when you connect with a character not just as an author but even as a reader you guys probably know like if you love a character and then you see a review or you hear somebody else say I hated that character and you're mm-hmm. like well they're kind of like me I guess you hate me. <laughs> you know you, that's that's where that personal part comes in that it's mm-hmm. really hard to navigate because we did talk about how people will not connect to Reese or not like Reese while writing her story did you ever think that okay maybe I should not go this route as much because there will be people who's judging the character or you're like no I'm just gonna put out the story no I never I mean I'm sure some of my early on beta readers alpha readers uh, probably thought it and sometimes they would make notes about it and as the writer you always have the final say but when it comes to writing I read my books over and over again, and I do really appreciate beta feedback as far, especially when it comes to something where they think this could upset a reader or somebody could take this the wrong way and be offended by it. And I do listen and take things into consideration. And it's, if, if it comes down to something that is like not a big deal, it's not like a big part of the character development and it's questionable that it might offend somebody. And, and I, all of that doesn't probably get caught in people's stories either. Some things slip through that nobody caught that it would be offensive or anger somebody. But if it's something minor, it's a no brainer. Like you just mm-hmm. change it because why would you set yourself up to potentially upset somebody either about the character or about something else. But when it came to Reese, because I had been I didn't have a Fisher in my life, but because I had been Reese and how I was raised and stuff, Mm -hmm. pulling back from that was going to feel, I don't think the story would have been what it is. I think that Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to cross that line, knowing you're going to upset a few people, lose a few Mm -hmm. readers, but knowing that in doing so, you are going to touch the hearts Mm -hmm. of other readers in a way that you wouldn't have otherwise, because I've read stories where there's been times that I've like reading along and I hope that an author, like, I hope they go there. I hope, Mm -hmm. I hope they don't take it safe. I hope they go there because it's going to be a much more impactful in the storyline. And when they do, I'm thrilled because those are the times that I cry. Those are the times, like, I just Mm -hmm. feel so much more emotional. And then sometimes they pull back and you can tell they're pulling back and they're trying to rash, make the character not seem like how they intended for them to Mm -hmm. be. And And it kind of, it ruins it for me. So for Reese, Reese was going to be who she was. She was going to like make the comments that she made because again, it's like, you have to read it looking at the fact that she's 18 and she's a product Mm -hmm. of how she was raised. And I was a product of how I was raised and I am nothing. Mm -hmm. And not that my parents is more the church, honestly, because my parents are not even that way or anything anymore. Mm -hmm. I look back and think of my own personal character arc in life, I am nothing like how I was raised. And I am not, I would never judge somebody for anything, but I Mm -hmm. was raised. It's so funny with religion, you know, the whole thou shalt not judge. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking, gosh, we sure judge a lot for thou shalt (laughs) not judge, you know? So Mm -hmm. I, I don't usually hold back 
uh, <laughs> on some of those things because I just think I, it will be a subpar book and I won't be as proud of it. And, mm-hmm. but it's a hard risk to take because I know that I had some people that were really upset with Reese, didn't read the second book. I have people who were like on arc teams and stuff that had to like say, you know, I can't finish this because I've been upset by something that is said. And, and it's, it's, it's hard. And like I tell, but I told you, it's a hard world to navigate right now with it, but I just, you kind of keep going ahead because you're passionate. And, and really, I think the majority of readers want that. I think, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's like the minority voice sometimes seems to be the loudest and it makes you feel like that is a larger group than what it really is. And so like, if you go online and I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know, most, I, I don't read the reviews, but I can look at like an overall star rating. I'm like, I'm still good. Like out of all the reviews, clearly a big majority liked it. So you have mm-hmm. to write to them. You mm-hmm. don't write to the 1% at the bottom. You just can't mm-hmm. do that. So let's dive into what lovers do. And <laughs> how was plotting that rom-com after such an emotional duet? It was so hard, but it was so hard for two reasons. I started writing what lovers do before I started The Fisherman. Mm-hmm because I was like, I'm going to write Lovers Do. And as I go along, I'm going to just put out a few chapters in Bella of the Fisherman, right? That was the plan. <laughs> and then when I decided that the Fisherman was coming out of Bella, we were going to make it two books. We wanted to put them out together. I had to devote all of my time to that. So I had to shelve what Lovers Do and come back to it. And I hate doing that because it, it is really hard to get back into a story, the frame mm-hmm. of mind, these characters mind. It was really, I struggled with it for a while, rewrote some of it. Um, and then I just got really scared because I knew it was a rom-com. I knew I wanted it to be a rom-com, but I knew I was coming off the Fisherman series and that did really well. And people were so passionate about it. And I, ha- oh, I had this discussion with my assistant, with my mom, with my publicist, with so many people. I'm like this, I'm like, what lovers do is going to bomb. And I go, not because I think it's a terrible book. I just think that my readers are going to still be on their Fisherman high. And then they're going to be like, well, what is this? This is like some little lighthearted, whatever that doesn't compare to the fishermen. And it wasn't supposed to compare to a fisherman. And mm-hmm. I was having the conversation with Jen, my assistant, that I, at the, I had watched the Yellowstone series and I loved it. So I was binge watching Yellowstone. Don't even know why I liked it. I'm like, I'm not into ranching or anything. <laughs> I love this fisher, this uh, Yellowstone series. I went from Yellowstone to, I had never watched the series that is still on called This Is Us, but everyone for a while had been talking about This Is Us. And finally I'm like, told my husband, I said, let's see what the deal is. There's a ton of seasons. So we've got lots of binging to do. So I went from Yellowstone to This Is Us. And for a first couple of episodes of This Is Us, I'm like, well, this isn't as exciting. This isn't Yellowstone. This isn't any good. Once I let myself let go of what Yellowstone was and accept the fact that I was not watching Yellowstone, (laughs) I am so madly in love with the This Is Us series. And I cry at almost every single episode. (laughs) My husband gets teary-eyed. I'm like, I go, I think the writer's goal was like, no matter the episode, there has to be one moment in every episode where the the um, viewers cry because I have never, ever watched a series that has made me cry at almost every single episode. <laughs> and now I'm looking back going, it was so stupid to be like comparing it to Yellowstone mm-hmm. because that's truly the like apples and oranges. You can't compare it. 
but it was scary. It still kind of is. I still think I have a lot of people not even knowing what reaction they're supposed to have from what lovers do because they still are in fisherman land, especially mm -hmm. if they like <laughs> recently read fisherman. And I'm like, but just give Shep World a try. Like Shep World is a special <laughs> place to just gotta give them a try. So it, it was really hard just from taking a break to in my own head, mm -hmm. feeling like I had something to live up to. And honestly, I think it's hard for a single book to live up to mm -hmm. a, do a continuous duet because yeah. you have like two books to get people mm -hmm. really invested in those characters. Mm -hmm. hard. And like personally for me, I feel like when I read, because it's happened before, like I was very excited to read What Lovers Do when I heard it was rom-com because it's like you come off from reading a duet that's, you know, it's it makes you cry. It make, it's very emotionally, I'm not going to say draining, but you, you know, you've been in that world for some time. And once you finish that, I always seek to, for a rom-com. I'm like, okay, I need, you know, a little laughter after like I shed so many tears. So going from that to what lovers do was very refreshing because mm -hmm. I felt like Shep was phenomenal. <laughs> Loved him. There were like the stuff he would say and do. I'm just like, what's wrong with you? And I was like <laughs> racking up, but it's like a huge, it's very different going from, you know, the fisherman duet to this. But I do think that, it is a breather yeah. to get something different and new. Yeah. And I feel that way as a writer. I, that's why my books are all over the place. You can tell, oh, this is lighter. This was, you know, writer. Oh, wow. This one's got murder and somebody <laughs> dies, you know, like all of this. I mean, cause I'm going from what lovers do to two more books, writing two more books in my life series, which is going to involve a serial killer. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I, that's how I write as well. Um, yeah, I'm the same way. So I, I'm like, I need something different. I can't just do heavy the whole time. But then after a while, if you've had enough romantic comedies, you're like, okay, I want something really gritty. Yeah. Um, so I get it. Yeah. We're totally alike on that one. <laughs> and for what lovers do, have you played golf before? Cause I've never read a book that included golf in it so this was very new and it's not a sport that I'm driven to <laughs> I don't know why like I've passed like, when we go to the store here there's always like a golf range so it's like you see it and my sister is really into sports and I'm like we should go to a golf watching I was like no and like that's no <laughs> but so reading it was very it was very intriguing like do you know about that sport or did you have to do research about it um, no, sadly, I know about the sport to some degree. I don't watch it myself. And it's funny because my assistant, Jen, she, I was first like, we should put golf clubs and stuff on the cover. And she's like, no, she goes, I'm just letting you know her husband. <laughs> golf. She's like, I need golf. She goes, I wouldn't even read the blurb to it. I've had anything to do with golf. <laughs> okay. She, but she loved the story. She's yeah. like, she goes, people would miss out on a great story. If you like push the golf thing, I'm like, okay. I didn't realize there's um I learned to play golf when I was when I was pretty young I think I was like middle school so I'd have been like I don't know 12 13 I I played golf with my mom and dad one summer I took golf lessons 
and did like a golf tournament. I won the golf tournament and I'm not that great. There was just only like four people. <laughs> you, still, you still won. I, st- I know. I was like, how many were there? It's like, there were four. And like one of them probably <laughs> broke an arm or something. But I don't know. Right. Um, I'm not a great golfer, in, but I, I learned how to play and I, I know enough about the game. I don't watch it, but I just from playing when I was younger. And I mean, I've gone to like the driving range with my husband and stuff like that. I, I mean, I, I have golf clubs. I don't use them, but I haven't golfed like myself other than the driving range. I probably haven't golfed in 15, 20 years. I mean, I'm 47, so it's not like I was I'm so, <laughs> since in my adulthood, but I don't, I don't love the sport. I honestly don't love the sport. But I know that a lot of people who do are pretty passionate about it. And this was set in, of course, Arizona, where they do. I've been to the top top golf that they are at. Um, I've been um, a friend of mine who lives out there. She like took us by the top golf area and we ate at a restaurant and everything new there. So it was like very real to me because I had been there and she's telling me about it. And I know people have done the top golf. And yeah. I mean, I've got like, I've got family. My husband sometimes plays my brother and dad have loved playing golf. My dad played like in high school, he played, that was one of the sports he did back in high school. So like I said, I'm not like proud of the fact that I know so much. <laughs> and I don't even want to say no so much, but I, I know things about golf <laughs> and I want, and I wanted golf to be part of the book in the sense that it was something that really they had in common and how it brings out the compete. I used it as a tool to bring out their competitive nature and each other, but I didn't want anybody to feel like, Oh my gosh, this is just pages and pages and pages of golf. So like they're on the course and doing stuff, but it's not, I hope it wasn't like too extreme that people who don't like golf are like enough with the golf. <laughs> it was enough to like, like I said, I'm not a golf person but it was very intriguing and interesting to read about because I'm just like well this is new like it's something <laughs> totally different and I enjoyed it I liked it I was like hmm. I'm glad you did <laughs> I love when they were competing and he was like okay if I win then, we're, then we get to have sex <laughs> I totally thought he was going to win <laughs> I was like, there's no way he's going to win. I love that. I loved creating this character. Well, that's what I kind of like in Jack and Jill series about Jack and Jill series with Jessica. I like, I like when the woman is just some, for something Mm -hmm. a little bit stronger. So I loved Sophie that she was just a little bit better than him at it. Mm -hmm. I loved that it opened his up, his vulnerability to show Mm -hmm. a little bit of his male ego being Mm -hmm. crushed. (laughs) Um, But then I love but then I love when they play golf with his dad and his dad's wife at the end. Mm-hmm. I liked letting Shep, like, as they talked, be on top in the sense they're a little bit, like he's gotten under the whole getting under each other's skin. Mm-hmm. So golf, like I said, was a tool for that because that's what they did competitively. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to say at times, um, cause Sophie was too nice that at times I was like, Oh my gosh, please don't be nice. But she has such a big heart that you can't really be mad at her. Right. And I've, like Jimmy, oh my God, Jimmy <laughs> was, I want to smack Jimmy so many times. But at the, I don't want to give off too much, but that one scene when he was outside of her house. Yeah. I feel so bad for him. 
like, like I was like, okay, I do not like this Jimmy guy. But that one scene, oh, seriously, you have the power of us hating one character and then us ending up liking that character at the end of the story. And yay, that was kind of the goal with Jimmy. <laughs> I was not originally at first. I'm like, mm-hmm. he's the character we're going to hate. And there's no reason to ever like him. But yeah. I wanted us to like, the reason I wanted us to, I guess, I don't even know if there's probably a lot of people that never actually liked him, but I, the reason I wanted him to not be fully hated <laughs> at the end of the book <laughs> is because again, he's a little reflective of Sophie and I want you mm-hmm. to like Sophie. And if I, I wanted you to see a little bit of the Jimmy that she fell in love with mm-hmm. because he is a little bit yeah reflective of her character and it's funny that scene you're talking about where he's outside my assistant when she was beta reading he was not outside for the whole night and she's like you need to make him stay outside for the whole night I'm like really even after what happened and she's like he has to and I'm like don't you think readers or readers will think that's harsh and she's like it has to happen so it was like this gamble I'm like so I'm having to kind of toughen Sophie up a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. like, he's not tough like that. She's like, he has to stay out all <laughs> night. <laughs> really, I never hated him. He was annoying at times. But I guess as we like got to see more of him, it I kind of felt bad for him because it's like, okay, his mom is going through this. And it's like, I feel like he's just very lost. Mm-hmm. so it was more of a like I felt bad for him but I'm at the same time I'm like get out of her house like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's he's he was that character I mean I loved bringing out tiny bits and pieces of his soft side like when he actually mm-hmm. did take a shower and doing some stuff around there um the part where she's like flabbergasted that he remembers her story about the garter snake like <laughs> He's the softer side of Jimmy, his humor, when he finally says something about getting a pool, using some money, like to get a pool, like we're, like we're going to put in a pool in here. She's thinking he's moving out and he's kind of like, gotcha. I'm just kidding. So there's that. Okay. Jimmy's not like the worst guy, but he was clearly not for her. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows somebody who's kind of just like, gone through a rough stage and maybe it's for me I have three boys two of them are um adults now but they're young adults and boy I watch them struggle I'm like are you gonna get your life together and I so I've seen very firsthand kind of some Jimmy lack of motivation and not that it doesn't make you a bad person it just makes you needy and and I think when people get needy sometimes they can be very irrational and I think Jimmy just kind of got really irrational I think he sincerely loved in his own way loved Sophie but just a little to the point where like if you really loved her you would move out but yeah there's the scene that I just couldn't stop laughing I thought I was like oh my god okay I'm starting to like him he's okay and then he's like well I grabbed your credit card from your purse and showering I was like dude what did you do I take it back. My me liking you, I take it back. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Where it's just like, I'm gonna buy this. I got a job and it's here, and I a credit card, and she's just again like, it, and it was just like another punch to the gut for her because yeah. she's like, kind of, you know, she doesn't say it, but you know, she's thinking, 
have I been taken advantage of again? You know, like <laughs> anybody else possibly take advantage of me. And it's funny, like a, originally, um, Shep's character, I had the first time writing it through, I had played up a little bit more of her concern about him potentially having a job where he didn't make a lot of money. Was he going to be like Jimmy 2.0? <laughs> that's one of these cases where like, and I liked it and I felt like it really fit her character, but that's, that's for people who are curious how we try to do go through, we go through revisions and having the discussion with my assistant. She's like, it's a fine line, especially coming off of COVID. This is where real life comes in. She's like, you don't ever want it to come across like anything's wrong with having a minimum wage job. And it was never that, but it was how this is an example of beta readers really helping. Like I would never have meant it that way, but to know that this is a time financially for people where you never want to make it sound like a minimum wage job is a bad thing. I mean, I've got, again, I've got three boys and two of them don't want to call it a college. And I'm just like, I just want you to have a job and be happy, but readers wouldn't know that. And so it was then really weird trying to have her character be somebody who's guarded against like being taken advantage of without her being judgmental of somebody who's not making a good living or something like that. So it, yeah, the storyline kind of changed as far as from her point of view. And I had to just stick with the fact that I, she couldn't date anybody else because she had plans. She had plans. <laughs> so just wondering, Will Shep's friend, Howie, I think that was his name. Will he be getting a book? <laughs> oh gosh, it's so funny. I was writing that going, I wonder if people know Howie's there. I don't know. I, <laughs> I do like Howie. I love their banter and interaction. Like I, that was another thing I liked during the book. I loved, I loved when Sophie was with Jules and they were having their heart to heart conversation. Mm-hmm. I loved Shep with Howie and the male banter that goes back and forth. So mm-hmm. there's no plans for Howie to have a book, but he's a, I think he's a likable enough character, especially, you know, what he'll be coming off of a divorce, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could write a book about him. So I, I, I've learned to never say never. After this one, how many books are you planning to release for 2022? The plan is, after this one that just released to release three more books, there will be another duet in the life series that's connected, but it'll be a standalone. You'll be able to read this next duet as its own standalone story. There's only one connecting element that is, we haven't set a release date, but that'll, those two will come out like a month apart sometime in the fall. And then I'm, I don't know for sure if it'll get done. I'm hoping to get the final book and what I, by final, I'm going to use that term lightly, the final book <laughs> Jack and Jill series. So it would be kind of a true conclusion after um, Out of Love. Mm-hmm. So what really happens with Jackson and Levy and Slade and stuff like that. I would love to see that come out before the end of the year. So having two stories or three books more total coming out, but um, we'll see, you know, you never know when life is going to stand in the way. I, mm-hmm. that's, that's the goal. Okay. So before we let you go, um, we love doing this. Li- we call it, how well do you know your books? Oh my gosh. I'm gonna- <laughs> <laughs> we pick six quotes from books that you've released. So read the quote. <laughs> 
go for it. I will get zero out of six. <laughs> and hey, it, I tell you, I read people like put my quotes on teasers, like from older books, especially. Mm-hmm. And I don't realize it's from my book. And there's like, like, well, that's a great quote. And then I'm like, <laughs> did I say that? I mean, it's that's what I've written 28 books. This isn't fair, but go ahead. All right. <laughs> I felt like a leaf falling from a tree and he was the wind whispering, I've got you. She was, um, was that, was that transcend? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you want to give it another try? Is it look the part? All right. What was it? <laughs> end of day really oh yeah <laughs> uh-huh. okay the next one am I the only author who's missed this have other authors missed their quotes <laughs> um they missed like one or two. Oh gosh I'll miss them all My <laughs> the second one that's how you know you're living if your heart's not racing if your teeth aren't chattering then you're not doing it right do you want a little hint <laughs> Is it Jersey City? No. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're going to they're going to be like, she has a ghostwriter. She doesn't even know the <laughs> I have no clue. I don't know. What is it? We did mention it on the podcast today, besides Jersey Six. Besides Jersey Six. Oh, was it? Um... A place without you? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was my next guess. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Okay. Now, now this one is um, more recent. So maybe you yeah, remember well, this. So <laughs> the thing that scared me more than absolutely anything in the world was that he wasn't mine. Um, the Fisherman series? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> funny thing that I'll tell you quickly about this is I told you I was writing um what, what lovers do and mm-hmm. then I, and I was going back and forth between the books when I went back to what lovers do Fisher was in that book I was using Fisher's <laughs> name that tells you how my brain works I'm like oh my god I've inserted these characters <laughs> in the wrong book anyway all right next one <laughs> we don't like hearing anyone put down the people we love no matter how much they've hurt us Undeniably you? No. <laughs> for that book. <laughs> this well, one. I get uh, for getting zero out of zero. <laughs> I want a reward for that. <laughs> we also talked about it on. We did talk a little bit about it on today's podcast too. If it's from. Um, what lovers do then I'm retiring (laughs) (laughs) it's from for Lucy okay okay. if I can remember the most recent book that is so crazy that is so crazy (laughs) okay now this one you have to get this one don't say that (laughs) why'd you you just used it (laughs) okay 
crawl under my skin. It will never be close enough. Crawl under my skin. It will never be close. Well, that has to be what lovers do. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was the when they were um, visiting her parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that mm-hmm. one's kind of fresh in my head. <laughs> okay, the last one. It doesn't matter if anyone has ever missed you before because I will miss you enough to last a lifetime. Uh, that one's Jersey Six. Yes. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> Poor Jersey, never felt, felt mm-hmm. that before. All right, so I got two. <laughs> well, that's good enough. <laughs> I wrote two of those books. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you won't see me out there catching people plagiarizing any of my stuff anytime soon. Like, did I really write that? Oh my god, it's insane. I mean, I have my husband and I one time had a talk. He goes, "Could you title all of your books in order?" And I'm like, "I don't know, like probably." But I really stop and think about it. But think about authors who have like fifty to hundred books. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Jewel, for joining us today and especially on a Saturday. So thank you so much. We have, I have so much fun talking to you about your books. It's been fun. Thank both of you for having me. I I was kind of excited when I found out that it was the two of you that were doing like, oh, I would love to. So (laughs) sometimes I talk with people who've actually never read any of my books. And so it's always a weird thing. So I know them. We can do this. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And we're so excited for everything that's your have planned for this year we're so excited and can I just say I personally I love loved what lovers do so thank you for the laughs it was actually I loved it and we seriously we hope you have an amazing weekend thank you you as well bye 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 love love Jewel Ian I love her books love her she's so sweet she's so funny and I'm so excited mm-hmm. for everything that's to come this year I love this interview and like we mentioned earlier like we've been wanting to talk to her and have her in our podcast for like ever yeah well so it finally <laughs> happened and I'm so excited I love her and if you guys have not picked up what lovers do please pick it up it's seriously mm-hmm. it's coming from someone who does not pick up rom-coms mm-hmm. like it's phenomenal I loved yeah. it like pick it up like it's it's that book that like you could put yourself in that situation mm-hmm. and it's like you enjoy it a hundred times more. So definitely pick it up and be on the lookout for what's to come this year. I'm excited for that murder suspense book that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In case you missed our announcement over the weekend, we are going to be interviewing Kay Bromberge next. Mm-hmm. Love her I love her we we've been wanting we were wanting to have her in last year but things got a little bit busy with her plus um field release so that was a little bit hectic but we are finally able to get her back on here and talk Mm -hmm. to her about last resort Mm -hmm. love that book y'all love it um and it's exciting so I'm dying to talk to her I I love her she's I I love Christy. If you guys have any other questions for us, just let us know and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.